Welcome to the Bible in the News. This week has been Israel Apartheid Week, known as IAW, and it has infected many universities and colleges around the world, especially here in Canada. Many campaigns have been going on, supported by the Palestinian Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions National Committee, the BNC, and this fomentation of hatred has been the result of a consorted effort to demonize Israel. The Palestinian BDS National Committee stated the following, Whereas student and youth movements play a key role in ending apartheid in South Africa, the IAW is currently one of the most important tools to educate people about the nature of Israel as a colonial apartheid system and to build on the global boycott, divestment and sanctions movement. We hope that your participation in the IAW this year will only be a step forward in your concrete and effective campaign to pressure apartheid Israel to comply with international law. Well, coming to the defense of Israel, Mashi Kantor, the president of the European Jewish Congress, stated, We are witnessing a strong and organized anti-Israel campaign aimed at delegitimizing Israel in Europe. This campaign is initiated by Muslim and pro-Palestinian organizations and indirectly nations who seek to use public opinion and political tools, academic, commercial and union boycotts of Israel on the one hand, and the issues of arrest warrants against Israeli officials are all part of the same campaign. Cantor mentioned in particular the Israel Apartheid Week, which opened Monday in the universities and colleges around the world as just another manifestation of this nefarious operation. Israel National News reported Yehuda HaKohen, the Director General of the Zionist Freedom Alliance, is stating, Those who accuse Israel of practicing apartheid essentially claim that Zionists are European colonists who came from abroad to uproot and oppress the indigenous Arabs of Palestine. Well, there are 40 cities participating in the IAW propaganda campaign. 30% of them are Canadian, including universities in Toronto, Hamilton, Guelph, Waterloo, London, Sudbury, Peterborough, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Montreal, Edmonton, and Vancouver. This has prompted some politicians to make statements. Some see through the blatant anti-Semitic rhetoric, or at least recognize the political fallout of associating themselves with this radical propaganda, as did the leader of Canada's Liberal Party, Michael Ignatieff, who made the following statement. On university campuses across the country this week, Israel Apartheid Week will once again attempt to demonize and undermine the legitimacy of the Jewish state. It is part of a global campaign of calls for divestment, boycotts and proclamations, and it should be condemned unequivocally and absolutely. Apartheid is defined in international law as a crime against humanity. Israel Apartheid Week is a deliberate attempt to portray the Jewish state as criminal. The activities planned for this week will single out Jewish and Israeli students. They will be made to feel ostracized and even physically threatened in the very place where freedom should be paramount on a university campus. Well, not all politicians feel the same way as Michael Ignatieff. It was on November the 24th, 2008, at the 57th plenary meeting on the question of Palestine at the United Nations, that Miguel Diascotto, president of the General Assembly of the United Nations, had the following to say. 
I spoke this morning about apartheid and how Israeli policies in the occupied Palestinian territories appear so similar to the apartheid of an earlier era, a continent away. I believe it is very important that we in the United Nations use this term. We must not be afraid to call something what it is. It is the United Nations, after all, that passed the International Convention Against the Crime of Apartheid, making it clear to all the world that such practices of official discrimination must be outlawed wherever they occur. Today, perhaps we in the United Nations should observe following the lead of a new generation of civil society, who are calling for similar non-violent campaign of boycott, divestment and sanctions to pressure Israel to end its violations. I have attended a great many meetings on the rights of the Palestinian people. I am amazed at how, me how people continue to insist on patience while our brothers and sisters are being crucified. Well, Diascoto became President of the United Nations General Assembly from September 2008 to September 2009 and spoke on behalf of the General Assembly, receiving a warm reception. His blood-liable reference to the Palestinian people being crucified cannot be missed, and highlights ancient religious anti-Semitic hatred. His religion? Roman Catholic. In fact, he is an ordained Roman Catholic priest. No surprise that Diascoto warmly embraced President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad after his strong anti-Israel and anti-Zionist September 2008 speech to the General Assembly. Well, the call for boycotts and demonstrations has been taken to heart and is growing in strength around the world and is especially targeted at the grassroots level. The effort to boycott Israel has been both economic and intellectual. The Guardian newspaper in Britain reported in December 2009, Britain has acted to increase pressure on Israel over its West Bank settlements by advising UK supermarkets on how to distinguish between foods from the settlements and Palestinian manufactured goods. The government's move falls short of a legal requirement, but is b bound to increase the prospects of a consumer boycott by products of those territories, or from those territories. Israeli officials and settler leaders were highly critical of the decision. Until now, food has simply been labeled produce of the West Bank. But the new voluntary guidance issued by the Department for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs says labels should give more precise information like Israeli settlement produce or Palestinian produce, end quote. Well, European nations are now distinguishing between products coming from Israeli settlements and Palestinian ones in an effort to discriminate more clearly against Israeli produce. What will this label look like? Perhaps a gold star would be appropriate and in keeping with Europe's traditional anti-Semitic history? Can we not see the same themes that led to the Holocaust occurring all over again? The academic boycott of Israel has been spearheaded by the AIC, Alternative Information Center, supported by various Catholic and Christian groups such as the Vatican-recognized community of Pope John XXIII Association. Well, according to the AIC, a group of Italian professors recently published a letter calling for the academic boycott of Israel against university and cultural discrimination of Palestinians. The document called Right to Study and Academic Freedom in Palestine expressly quotes the AIC bulletin Academic Boycott of Israel and the Complicity of Israeli Academic Institutions in the Occupation of the Palestinian Territories. 
The Italian researchers mostly belong to the University of Pisa, one of the most prominent Italian universities and strongly involved in the Israeli Apartheid Week activities and in the BDS campaign. End quote. The growing fomentation in universities is directed at forming the opinion of youth against the nation of Israel. No surprise that there is growing anti-Semitism in countries like Canada, where this putrid propaganda is supported on campus. The Jewish Tribune reported on B'nai B'rith Canada's annual audit on the anti-Semitic incidents, stating that there was an increase of 11.4% over 2008, and a more than five-fold increase in incidents over the past decade. In addition, a survey of the Jewish community commissioned by the B'nai B'rith shows Canadian Jews deeply concerned about the rising influence of radical Islamism, an ideology that paints Jews as the enemy and security threats to Jewish schools and houses of worship. Anti-Israeli campaigns on campus, such as the annual Israel Apartheid Week event, are also a source of anxiety, according to this poll. End quote. Well, these virulent anti-Semitic hate campaigns are symptomatic of an age-long struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. What most fail to realize is Almighty God has put Israel back in the land, according to the prophecies that were given millennia ago. He tells the nation of Israel in Jeremiah 3 verse 14, I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you back to Zion. John Thomas, when writing Elpis Israel, correctly predicted in 1848, there is then a partial and primary restoration of the Jews before the manifestation, that is of the Messiah, which is to serve as a nucleus or basis of future operations and the restoration of the rest of the tribes after he has appeared in his kingdom. He based his prediction on this passage that we've read. Israel's existence in the land today regardless of what men think, is God's doing. This is especially true of the area of the West Bank. We read in Ezekiel 38, verse 8, After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. God hasn't put Israel there because of any intrinsic righteousness they may have. They are flesh like every single one of us. However, he states in Ezekiel 36, verses 21 to 24, I had pity for my holy name's sake, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake which ye have profaned among the heathen whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of it. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and I will bring you into your own land. Well, let's get this straight. The nation of Israel has made its mistakes in the past, for which it has greatly suffered. However, because of his holy name's sake, God has had pity on this nation and has brought them back into the land. Their existence in the West Bank is by divine decree and will eventually lead to God being sanctified in Israel before the eyes of the Gentiles. 
Paul tells us in Romans 11, verse 28 to 32, as touching the election, they are beloved for the fathers or the patriarch's sakes, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. To be involved in political, academic, or economic boycotts is to join the Catholic system in opposition to the work God is doing in establishing the kingdom of God on earth. It is a poke right in the eye of Almighty God himself, for he states in Zechariah 2, verse 6, Ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of heaven, saith the Lord. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants. And ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. God describes nations and peoples that lift their hand against Israel as poking him in the eye. He says he will shake his hand upon them. And this is in keeping with the promises that were given to Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, where he says, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, if we want to be cursed with the nations of the world who despise Israel, then join them in their cursing of Israel today. If we want to be blessed with Abraham, a different attitude to the nation of Israel must exist amongst us. We should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 112, verse 6, and for their deliverance when the Messiah will come out of Zion as a deliverer and turn away ungodliness from Jacob, Romans 12, verse 26. Israel's future is clearly predicted. Daniel 7:27 clearly states, The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. The kingdom which, has, which was promised to Abraham extends from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 18. This is promised to the people of the saints of the Most High. Well, the saints of the Most High are the righteous who will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Matthew 13, verse 43. They constitute the ruling class. Christ has promised the disciples in Matthew 19, verse 28. Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is extended to those who overcome in Revelation 2, verses 26 to 28, and Revelation 3, verse 21. The people of the saints of the Most High are the Jews. They are promised as the subjects of the kingdom under the divine leadership of Christ and the saints to be given a kingdom. Micah 4, verse 8 echoes this sentiment. Thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. The kingdom, or first dominion, is the area promised to Abraham, while the dominion under the whole heaven will extend through the out, throughout the entire world. As Daniel 2 verse 44 describes, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. 
Until then, the same sentiment amongst the nations will exist, which will cause them to speak the words of Micah 4, verse 11. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as sheaves into the floor. Arise and thrash, O daughter of Zion. For I'll make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass. And thou shalt beat in pieces many people. And I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance to the Lord of the whole earth. At that point in time, the nations will be silenced. As we read in Zechariah 2, verses 10 to 12. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. As far as these boycotts and rallies against God's people go, the end of the matter is clearly outlined in verse 13. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. This has been Jonathan Bowen joining you for the Bible in the News. Tune in next week to another edition.